That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Hello and welcome to Content and Capable, a podcast where I try to figure out what it really means to be an adult. My name's Sam and today's guest is Pod Daddy herself, Christina. We are going to talk today all about all things book editing. Welcome, Christina, to Content and Capable. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's really exciting to have Pod Daddy on the podcast. <laughs> That's me. Um, we usually start with a, a quick question about um, some adulting you've done in the past week. So what's something adulting you've had to do recently? Oh my gosh. Today I went to a baby shower, which um, it's still very unusual to me that my friends are having children on purpose. And um, so it was a lot of adults being very uh, adulty, you know, with mm. like char- charcuterie and like baby games and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Baby shower is always this weird enigma because, like, it's a sight, and especially if you're going to a lot, it's like a wedding, actually. If you're going to a lot, then, you know, you're the one who's, quote-unquote, missing out, but then at the same time, you're like, well, you know, I'm just enjoying, you know, all the free food. Exactly. Yeah, this one had some really prime free food and alcohol, so I was happy. Look, perfect way I have a baby shower. Um, it's very interesting I don't think my mum has had many baby showers I think she maybe had like two or three for all nine of us yeah too many babies to keep having baby showers you know well when she had me um what she was 22 they were living in Sydney which is super expensive to live in and dad mum had dropped out of you well yeah, had dropped out of university and dad had just started up a traineeship um, at Qantas, the airline. So, like, we were, that was not a lot that we were doing. And they just had their wedding as well, so. Yeah. Like, they got married in September and I never really saw mum's baby bump until I looked real hard Um in the wedding photos, I'm like, oh, that is a baby bump. Mum was six <laughs> months pregnant with me. Wow. Oh, so you were there. I was there. It was... <laughs> That's cute. It was... Uh, it's a very interesting story because um, people don't realise it. They think that, you know, mum and dad got married and then, you know, a couple, like, very soon after, but not, like, straight after I was born. But, no, nah, three months. Three months gap. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, so we're talking about book editing. Um, so how did, how did you, like books are like a drug, let's be honest. Um, okay. Yes, for sure. Who introduced you to books? (laughs) Um, both my parents like to read a lot. My grandpa liked to read a lot. Um, I would say that uh, probably my grandpa was like the biggest reader in my life when I was a kid. He would read like a book a day because he was retired, you know. So, mm. um, so I think that yeah, I I just have always liked books. When I was a little kid, I would like even before I could write, I would be like, "Mom, I have a book idea. I need you to write this down because I don't know how to write." <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Like for me, it was my parents as well. Uh, well, yeah. not my parents. My mum. My dad doesn't read. Uh, well. 
Uh, and so we, you know, mum would be reading all the time, so we just read as well because that's what, you know, what you do as a kid, you copy it. So yeah, into high school and, you know, beyond, how did you know you wanted to go into book editing? I mean, I was always really good at reading and like when you're a kid that doesn't really mean anything it's like a fake skill it's like no one cares that you're good at reading but as I got older I was like you know I was able to really think critically about like what I was reading and I also wanted to do that right like I wanted Mm. to replicate what I was reading so even when I was in high school I, I was writing books like I've always been a book writer yeah. The ones I wrote in high school were very bad. They will never see the light of day. But the fact of the matter is that I did like slave over these books mm. um, when I was really young, which is crazy to me. It's like so hard for me to sit down and like work on a book now. But um, but so eventually it just became really obvious that like not only was I just like a good reader, but like I was I was like good at it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I was good at taking a book and like turning that around and being like, what can I do with this? Yeah. And so um, I always took like creative writing classes in high school and stuff. And yeah, eventually it was like, I think this is just like what I got. Mm-hmm. This this is what I'm doing. Wow. And so beyond high school, you did creative writing in college? I actually in college, I, I, I literally started out as an education major because When you like to read, when you like to write, Mm. everyone says, oh, so you're going to be a teacher, which is like such a weird, if you ask me, that's a super weird thing to to say, Yeah. right? And like, even as you're getting an English degree, people are like, oh, so you're going to be a teacher. And Mm. it's like, dude, I'm not going to be a teacher. Please stop. So um, yeah, I started out like as an education major, but eventually I was like, frankly, I don't really feel this in my heart. So I'm going to bop back over to the English department. Yeah. This is very interesting. I have some friends who are doing education at the moment and it is exhausting. But then like other people who are doing yeah. like creative writing and things like that. And they're like, you yeah, know, I have no intentions of becoming a teacher because that's that shit's scary. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm watching a friend of mine at the moment. He just gets zero sleep at the moment. He's on placement for teaching. No sleep. And I'm sitting there going, you need sleep. Go to bed. Yeah. You can't burn out too fast. No. Yeah. And so, because I find this really interesting, because I was a reader. I read, uh, my mum had to ban me from reading in high school, so I'd actually get my schoolwork done. Oh my God. I had the exact same thing. Yes. my I, When I used to get in trouble, my mom would ground me from reading because yeah. that's the only thing that I really cared about. Yeah. And it, it's funny because I've it's taken me a couple of years to get back into the habit of picking up a book rather than picking up my phone, for example. Yes. Um, and I, I have caught myself a couple of times going, you need to get off the train or you need to like focus on doing your work to... Um, <laughs> Like, very funny, um, catching myself going, yeah, you need to stop reading now so you can continue getting your work done. <laughs> but, like, you, you've got lots of friends who read. Did you find that, like, there was, like, a split between half of them going into 
you know, going into editing or writing or those, and the other half just doing something completely different. Most of my, I don't think any of my high school friends are in editing. And to be honest, I don't think any of my college friends are are in editing. Mm-hmm. Most of the people who are in my, like, classes in college, I I wasn't friends with them because book nerds are nerds. Yeah. And I, <laughs> um, so we were all, I think, just, like, kind of shy and weird. <laughs> um. But yeah, I met most of my editor friends um once I got um my my editing job at Brandy Lane. Um mm. my one friend from college who was also doing like language related stuff is a journalist now. So yeah. I think that um I I think I know more journalists in my friend group than editors. All that my editor friends are from work. Yeah. And like cuz I'm I'm a journalist. <laughs> yeah, I um Exactly. um, It's very interesting because I really struggle with creative writing because I don't know whether it was because of the way it was taught in school or I can just never finish something. Um, But, like, I have an idea, but I wouldn't fully flesh it out, so it wasn't, like, a proper idea, um, and I couldn't write it. And I was worried when I went into my journalism degree because I knew the journalists do a lot of writing but it's very interesting that journalism is very formulaic. You can just right. fill out the set formula. You don't have to worry too much about how creative you're being, except for feature writing, which is like magazine articles and things like that, oh, where yeah. it's like really long form. And that's where the border between journalism and creative writing sits. And I'm doing a class for that at the moment. And it requires so much effort on my part to be able to write something that I know will give us, tell a story, but then at the same time be journalistic and, you know, do the the job of a journalist. Yeah, I think a big difference between, like, a book editor and a journalist is that, like, I feel like journalists are always under a lot heavier time crunch. Like, their mm-hmm. deadlines are really meaningful. Whereas book editors, it's like, I get, like, a month or two to, like, work on this book. So, yeah. you know, a lot of the time when I'm writing, my strategy, one of my authors said this to me once, like, just fart it out, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the hardest part is just, like, fart it out yeah. and then go back to it and, and like, refine it. And I, th- I think that's the hardest part for people is just getting literally anything on paper to start with. Yeah, 100%. How did you get to Brandy Lane? Um, I got to, <laughs> I got to Brandy Lane through Craigslist. Um, <laughs> I, well, yeah, I just, I wanted to move um, to Richmond, Virginia. And so I was looking for like kind of any job and I just so happened to find a job that was um, really good for me. Mm-hmm. Um like a a good fit um and so the job was for publicity right book publicity so that's my like job title and the editing stuff i do kind of um on the side yeah so where were you originally i didn't realize that you it's very naive naive of me that to think that everyone lives in richmond and grew up in richmond <laughs> Well, almost the whole rest of the network lives in Richmond, yeah. so um yeah, I went to um like a, a I went to a college called Old Dominion University um at in Norfolk, which okay, is like yeah. n- near the beach. Yeah. yeah. And so basically like after I graduated, all my friends were just like moving away and I got really depressed and I was like this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. 
gotta go. Yeah, it's very interesting um, because most of the time here in Australia, you do you do your first year at least here in the city that you grew up in because when we graduate, we're all seventeen. We have no idea what the fuck we're doing. Oh, uh, and so. Um, I had one friend who moved into state and he moved four hours down south. Um, and that was the furthest anyone lived away. And then at the start of this year, I had one friend go move across the country for an acting school she got accepted to. And another guy cool. moved all the way down into um, Adelaide, which is another three hour flight away um, for the acting school that he got accepted to. But it's very interesting that as soon as you get settled here, like, in your hometown, everyone turns around and goes, oh, I want to go away now. Um, yeah, totally. I Well, and I – so I didn't even grow up in Norfolk where my school was. Like, I went – I grew up in, like, in like a totally different place. And so I was, like, desperate to get out of my hometown. Yeah. I went to Norfolk. That became my hometown. I was desperate to get out of there. It's interesting that you say that most people – um where you are do a first year in their hometown because at least the high school that I went to it it was a an IB school right international yeah, yeah. Bac- baccalaureate or We've whatever got a couple here in Brisbane um, yeah so uh the the stand it was a really uh privileged school mm-hmm. right and so just lots of money it was in Fairfax Virginia they're just creating people to go work for the federal government in DC yeah. um and so like okay like you got to go you got to go to college and so my graduating class just totally dispersed over like the whole country immediately after graduation which is really like hard mm. it's such a hard transition to make and to kind of circle back to what we were talking about before it's like yeah so what do you want to do with your life and it's like oh i actually have no idea <laughs> yeah and then like the whole, you know, moving away from home and studying something that you're not 100% sure whether you can continue further on. Um, yes. I know. I had, I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I started at university. I thought it was going to be very much like school. And the way that university works here in Australia is that I know it's quite common that you live on campus in America, but we don't. So I was living with my parents um, because I had no money, uh, going to university and then coming back and working um, near my parents' place um, and then, you know, moved and then moved again. So now I'm a lot closer to university. But I was like, if I thought, you know, 12 months ago, I would have no way of being able to support myself and live here in Australia, uh, into live here where I am and have the independent life that I have. And like you, when you said everyone dispersed across the country, I'm like, there was no way in hell. I don't think anyone would be able to, um, in my graduating class at least. Yeah, definitely. A lot of, a lot of schools here do on, on campus housing. Um, the college I went to, it was really like culturally not cool to live in the dorms. So mm-hmm. like you are supposed to rent like these like disgusting garbage houses with your like six best friends, you yeah. know? And it was, uh, I'll just say it again, just like disgusting. <laughs> oh yeah. Definitely would have been better in a dorm. <laughs> no, definitely. I had, when I went and checked out a couple places, I wanted to live quite close to the university, basically on the campus, but 
a little bit separated from it. And I checked some of the houses out, and they're all built in the 70s, and no one has bothered to upgrade them. And I walk into one house, and the kitchen is overflowing with dirty dishes. Um, a guy walks out in his underpants and walks across the hallway. <laughs> and I'm like, this is cheap, but it is not worth my money. Um, See, that's the crazy thing is that, like, they're, the, society's like, okay, go out into the world, go out on your own, like, mm-hmm. e- explore yourself as an individual for the first time ever. Also, you're going to need to start doing the hardest studying of your life, and you're going to need to figure everything out right now. And it's like, you shouldn't be expected to do both those things at the same time. No, no way at all. And, you know, I'm really lucky that I ha- had the privilege of being able to stay at home. Um yeah. You know, my brother, who moved out of home as soon as he graduated, had to do this all while juggling a full-time job and going, you know, do I want to continue this full-time job? Uh, and right. And he's still doing that. And wow, it, it's very hard. Like, yeah. And it's hard to watch as well because I'm pretty settled. Like, I think I know what I'm doing. If, if you ask me what my plans were, I probably have an answer for you. You know, I have a place to live. I have a social life. You know, I kind of sorted out how life works. But (laughs) other, my, like, other people are just like, uni, home, uni, home, uni, home. Right. And it's like, nope, cannot do that. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in college, I, like... I was like, okay, I'm definitely doing the whole language thing. Like, that Mm -hmm. much is clear because that's pretty much the only thing I'm good at. Which, frankly, from my adult perspective, I'm, like, almost 30 years old. If I were to do college again, I would never major in English. I would major in something a lot more practical and challenge myself, you know, instead of being like, oh, like, words are cool and I like books, so I'll do this. I would be like, okay, but, like, could you maybe do math and become, like, a scientist? Could you do it, babe? Like, Mm -hmm. I think you could. Yeah. So... I experimented with a lot of different um, like paths. So like I said, I started in education. I was like, I want to become an English teacher. And then I was like, wait, 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 wait. Everyone was really uh, like really rude to my high school English teachers. I don't think I want that kind of abuse. I don't want to be begging 16-year-olds to extrapolate meaning from the great Gatsby. Yeah. Like I don't want that to be my, my burden to bear. Yeah. So then I spent some time working at like a speech pathologist's office being like, do I want to become a speech therapist? And then, but then you have to have like medical training for that. You have to go to grad school and it's like, it is like medical. It's a bachelor of science. And and like I mentioned, I was really intimidated by STEM because like women just aren't really conditioned to like care about STEM at all. So I was like, Ooh, not for me, like a little bit of medicine. That sounds hard. Whereas again, if that was me today, I'd be like, let's do this. Like Mm -hmm. you can do this. Um, and yeah, and I, I definitely uh, did a lot of like freelance editing in college. I I made a lot of money doing that. Um, that was back in the day. You know the website Fiverr, right? Yeah. Where you can like yeah. do <laughs> back in the day before that got like so saturated with people trying to like share their skills. Like I mm-hmm. I made like a ton of money through Fiverr yeah. in five minute five dollar increments. Wow, Fiverr's only become a thing in the past 18 months here in Australia. Um, oh, that's crazy. Because I feel like over here, it's kind of like old news now. It's like, oh, you can't get anything done on Fiverr because there's too many people mm. trying to all do the same thing. Yeah, it's very interesting. There's lots of ads at the moment going, here, use Fiverr or 
um, all those like air, like air tasker and things like that um, have just popped up here in Australia because we're usually do it yourself kind of people. So yeah. Um. So then beyond you know, beyond editing in college and then speech pathology, you decided that wasn't for you. And you went straight to doing your language in English. Well, so, like, after college, I, like, spent some time being, like, who am I? What am I going to do? Um, I had this really good summer job as a lifeguard supervisor getting paid way too much money and getting super hot and tan every summer. And so, like, it was really hard for me to walk away from that Mm -hmm. into, like, adulthood. Um, I got a couple different, like, receptionist jobs. You know, English degree equals receptionist. I can write a nice email. I can answer the phone nicely. So, um, so after some time doing that, I was like, okay, well, it would be really cool to literally start my career now. Um, but like I said, I was trying to move to Richmond. So I was like, I'll take any job I can get in Richmond, like literally any job. And I was like really lucky to get a job in a field. There's almost no independent publishers, Mm -hmm. um, in Virginia, they're mostly in the big cities like Chicago and New York and Washington, D.C. So, yeah. like, the fact that I found, like, the one and they were hiring a job that I could do yeah. was, like, a, a crazy miracle. Wow. And that kind of kickstarted your life from there, really? Yeah, absolutely. So, can you explain the, to the poor Australian this? It makes no sense. Like, you look at it on a map, and the state of Virginia is pretty tiny in my eyes. Um, Definitely compared to Australian states. Um, and, you know, it's not that big. Like, everything's about 100 kilometers away, which is basically the commute that I have to work. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. It's, it's almost 100 kilometers to get to work. Pretty much every day at this point. Oh my god, that's crazy! I need to, yeah, I need to swap my job. Um, yes, I'm, I'm in the process of doing it, but it's like the job is really great, but I need, like, I need to emotionally detach myself from it and have something else to pay the bills as well. Yes. So, like, how do you guys have like complete distinct cultures between, like, you know? Every city and town. Okay, so I, it's really, that's a really interesting question to ask about Virginia specifically, because if you were to ask that about like Maine or Mm -hmm. about like Florida, I think it would be different. But because Virginia is where like the line was drawn between the North and the South during the Civil War, it's like really complicated. So, because we are really close to the north, the northern cities, mm-hmm. um, our cities are really affected by that. So, um, our cities bring in a lot of people from the north. And yeah. so, like, like Richmond and Norfolk, for example, are both um, cities that have, like, really good universities. And so, like, we bring in outsiders. Um, and also, Norfolk is, I think, the largest... U.S. naval base um, is there too. So a lot Mm. of people are constantly coming into those cities, but kind of the whole, and then as I mentioned, the Northern part of the state is basically just DC. Yeah. Um, But like the whole rest of the state is, is the South. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, the contrast between the cities and the country in Virginia is, is extreme. Wow. And like, 
We don't like we ha- here in Australia. There's seven states. Well, I shouldn't say that. Someone's going to get mad at me for saying there's seven states. <laughs> They're called territories, Sam. Um, and you know, each state might have its own identity. Like people try to compare Queensland with Texas. Um, and oh, I, but we like it's very interesting because we're one of the more progressive states. I would have to say. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, there's no, like, line. You know, it goes and swings and roundabouts. Um, but, you know, it's... We, we can make generalisations, but then we're all, like... We're all Australian to everywhere else, you know? Yeah. And we're not, like... We're not going to be super proud about, you know, our city's identity. Like, Brisbane, Brisbane, where I live, is a bit of a shithole. Um <laughs> I, I'll say that, and I'll be the first to say it. It's not the worst, but it's not great. Um, <laughs> there's this amazing Facebook page called Shit Towns of Australia, and every week <laughs> they do a list of the top ten shit towns and what has gone down there. And it's usually like a drunk person with no shoes holding up holding up a robbery while uh, what one of the customers chased them down with a handbag or something stupid like that. <laughs> I love that. Um, it's funny that you say, like, to everyone else, you're just Australia, because um, when I visited Europe mm-hmm. while Trump was running for office five or so years ago, I felt that way. I was like, oh, y'all just think I'm, like, un-American. Yeah. And, and it's like, <laughs> people were asking me about Trump all the time, and I'm like, that. <laughs> don't ask me about that guy. I don't want to talk about him. Yeah. It's, it's very hard sometimes because they we have really a really interesting culture and then we have and then like we complain the next day that we've got no culture um yeah you know there's things that i i i i've been to america australia does chocolate better um oh i've i have heard that my best friend in high school was australian Mm. um her dad worked for the World Bank, so she her family was here, and yeah, they definitely had yeah better chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very weird because your chocolate tastes like dirt, um, and yeah, that's what she said to me. <laughs> uh, ch- your chocolate tastes like dirt, and we um, I'm trying to think because we've got Costco's now, so Costco o- has opened up pretty much all across the eastern seaboard, and I think there's a couple over in Perth, um, and there's usually like two in each major city now mm-hmm. except for the capital where there's one because there's not enough people um and so everyone goes there they go oh, it's costco you know it's awesome <laughs> um, we buy from there every now and then and we might buy like hershey's stuff you know dad went to hawaii for a couple of months on an mm-hmm. army trip um and came back with all the ingredients for s'mores including these massive massive marshmallows um but the chocolate was disgusting. And, like, <laughs> we're, like, sitting there going, we have better baking chocolate that we use. Um, yeah. But that's also something that in my adulthood I've been like, oh, yeah, that chocolate isn't good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, I don't know. It's very interesting because we do definitely have, you know, culture, but that we don't. At the same time, it's, like, this weird... Because we're a relatively young country. We just don't have a lot of culture to give or export. Um, yeah, I think that part of that is 
I feel the same way, and I think a lot of Americans feel the same way, and I think part of that is the colonizing. Yeah, I, I probably uh, is the the best way to explain it is the colonization because we are almost very similar and go, yeah, no, we don't have culture. Yeah, um, yeah geography sucks. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at Brisbane on the map, and it's funny because it's like pretty much in Australia. Brisbane is just about where Virginia is in the United States. It's like yeah. halfway down the East Coast. That's yeah. cute. Um, it's very interesting because Brisbane isn't just Brisbane. Um, unfortunately, uh, you have to take into account the 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 three satellite cities of the Sunshine Coast, Toowoomba, and the Gold Coast. Um, yeah. Because that sounds so cheerful. Yeah, um, it's it's very interesting. <laughs> like Toowoomba is a it's the gateway to the farming region. Um, the Sunshine Coast is where everyone everyone who has any sense goes to retire, and the Gold oh, Coast. I see. The Gold Coast is the biggest tourist trap ever invented, and uh, I will fight anyone who disagrees with me. <laughs> Um, we had, we had people from Sydney coming up and they were late and they're like, oh, we won't find the Gold Coast. It was really cool. I'm like, no, the Gold Coast isn't cool. It's, it's not cool, dude. It, it's like a big beach, basically. And yeah. It, um, we hosted the Commonwealth Games a couple of years ago and, you know, it's a big area, um, but just, there's nothing good there and nothing good has yeah. come, ever come out of the Gold Coast, unfortunately. I got that. There's some like uh sort of soulless beaches near me too, where it's mm-hmm. just like this is just a beach, yeah, and they want to take your money. That's kind of all it is. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, in terms of Brandy Lane, so you're hired as a publicist. Um, yes. How did you like wedge yourself into then doing editing on the side as well? Well, because Brandy Lane's really small. Um, like everyone kind of does everything so it was like inevitable that I was gonna start editing eventually Mm -hmm. um everyone does um so my coworkers Grace and Haley who also make many appearances on this pod network um they were kind of the same way they got hired for other positions and then they were my boss was like okay well you also need to be editing um which is good because really the only way to become a good editor is to have better editors edit you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really good that we all three were kind of um, developing our skills really rapidly at the same time. Cause it's like, we're all learning at the same pace and we're all kind of like on the same page with mm-hmm. that. And then um, you, like after that, you started a podcast network. What was the inspiration for starting the movie night crew? Um, yeah, so, okay, so, I mean, it really just started with the restricted section, Mm -hmm. right? And so, basically, my friends and I were, like, my movie night friends, which is what this network is named after. It's literally just because we do a movie night. Um, I was, like, we're going to do a Harry Potter book club. Like, I want to reread Harry Potter, but I've I've reread Harry Potter, like, a thousand times, um, Mm -hmm. probably, like, 15 times. And I was like, I literally can't just do it again. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I cannot just read it again. Um, I, I And I think Haley or maybe Andrew, someone was like, I'll read it with you. And it was like, okay, let's like do a book club. And then I had just guested, like literally like like a week or two beforehand, I guested on That's What I'm Talking About, Mary Clay's Lord of the Rings podcast. Mm-hmm. And like, 
no offense to Mary Clay, but I was like, honestly, like, wow, if she can do it, I can probably do it. Like, mm-hmm. I. C- <laughs> so we were like, well, if we're already going to do this book club, we should probably just record it because we're kind of funny, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that's my that's my personal opinion. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I just it's because I wanted to talk about my favorite book series with a lot of people and being putting it in a podcast form really has opened the the doors for a lot of other people to join the conversation that originally was just supposed to be me and a couple of my friends. Yeah. And that's really awesome as well. What are your plans beyond Harry Potter? Obviously Harry Potter has to end at some stage. Yeah. Um, And you know, Mary Clay, who runs a very similar format podcast has, you know, an endless supply of Peter Jackson stuff. (laughs) Um, so what are your plans yeah. after? Yeah, I've I've thought about it a lot. Um, I think I would like to start a podcast that's more broad, uh, like a like a broader literature podcast where mm-hmm. we can talk about um a lot of different things. So I think that that's probably where I'll focus my energy after I run out of Harry Potter because, um, you know, if I were to start a, a podcast now. With everything that I've learned about podcasting already, I probably wouldn't do a Harry Potter podcast because there's other things to talk about that are more important than promoting the work of a turf, you know? Yeah. So, so, um, but the hair, using the Harry Potter subject matter was really important to me being comfortable kind of launching into this like new project. Um, I was like, I might not know how to podcast, but like, damn it, I know Harry Potter. (laughs) So we'll just figure out the podcasting thing as we go, which I, I I feel like I've figured it out pretty good. (laughs) And so like you, you said you started it. It's just, yeah, we're just creating you know, a book club with friends on Harry Potter. Woo, woo. Like, how did the, like, because you expanded very quickly. How did that expansion you know, come about? Um, It's kind of, so the restricted section was like, so successful, you know, like we found some fans that we really connected with and we had a really good time doing it. And we like refined our production really quickly, um, mostly because of COVID, because we started out recording it in person in a room with like 10 people, which is I don't advise that to anyone under any circumstances. So COVID kind of forced us to like, um, take our time and reduce the number of people on every episode and get better audio quality going um, since we're all recording remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, eventually we were like, okay, well, we also do this movie night. We literally, for for five or six years, um, the gang, we've gotten together every Sunday night um, to pretty much to watch a movie. And then we are we already were sitting around talking about it for like an hour afterwards. So it's like, well, we should be recording this too. Because, you know, our the pot the network niche really is like um like fan culture and like media critique and stuff. And obviously I'm excited to be branching out with, um, with podcasts like this, but like, that's definitely my comfort zone is like media, media critique and stuff like that. Mm. Oh, definitely. I would, my brother and I, uh, who both did film and television through high school, would sit down and we'd watch a movie and then we would argue with each other over things. (laughs) I've got like a really positive outlook on life. And, and like, yes. I, I'll give people the benefit of the doubt and I go, everything happens for a reason. And then my brother will go, 
that that sucked. That sucks. That sucks. <laughs> I'm way more of a you yeah. than your brother. <laughs> I'm I'm like the um, border collie golden retriever, and he's more like <laughs> the pug who's just sitting there judging you silently. Um, <laughs> I love that analogy. That paints a very clear image. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> dogs are the best way to describe us uh, and our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so when um so when Taylor and Charlie came to me and they were like, Okay, well we're thinking of starting a Percy Jackson podcast, I was like, that is literally so perfect mm-hmm. because I'm also really comfortable with Percy Jackson. Yeah. It's a subject that I really feel like I can talk about. So like, yes, mm-hmm. I support this. And so now people are getting really excited about our network and it's becoming easier to find cool shows like yeah. yours, you know, and um yeah, it's kind of just taking on a little bit of a life of its own, which is so exciting. Yeah, and I suppose that becomes that critical ma- critical mass where you you don't have to be actively seeking things out. They just come to you um, almost, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely really trippy. I'm like, <laughs> people listen to us. That's incredible. No podcaster in the beginning is like, oh, yeah, people are listening. I'm confident. It's like, no. <laughs> It's like, oh my god, wait, people are listening? <laughs> I, I find that really funny. I was looking at, because I was looking at my TikTok analytics um, yesterday, and I was like, you know, I could make the assumption that, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting like a couple hundred viewers um, and, you know, a relatively good amount of likes, but in reality, you know, I'm barely scraping to 200 views and maybe get one or two likes on a video and like i've got to come to terms with the fact that that's just how tiktok works uh how creating content works you never it's it's an exponential growth you're going to spend a long time at the bottom and then it's going to come up and you're just not going to know where where to go from there you definitely have to be really comfortable spending some time shouting into the void you know And And it's like you need friends and family who are going to support you long enough to kind of like get you through that mm -hmm. until you have like real listeners or real viewers. Yeah, definitely. And making a real impact. Like I think my when I told my parents I was going into a journalism degree, um, admittedly, I framed it as a communications degree because the major is journalism. But... Literally, it is a journalism degree. It used to be called a Bachelor of Journalism. Um, right. And I, they're, they're like, really? You realise you hate English with a burning passion? Well, hate, hate <laughs> the subject English with a burning passion. Um, right. And, you know, you really struggle. And I go, yeah, yeah, I think I've got this. <laughs> like, okay, it's your money. Um, and just go- gone, yep, and... It's been really amazing to watch my parents get more and more supportive as I get more and more invested in it. So right now I'm writing this really amazing story about this um, guy from the military and it's really amazing to go to my dad and go, hey, can I have a chat to your boss? I'm writing a story about this. And he goes, yes. And he comes back two hours later and goes, I've got it for you. I go, wow, okay. Was not expecting you to turn that around in two hours, but... <laughs> That's amazing! Um, 
you know, and, you know, some of the amazing things that I've gotten to do because my parents go, I've got a story idea for you. And, you know, you've got to go. It's like, I'm guessing you would have had a similar thing where relatives would go, oh, you're in publishing. Oh, I've got these book ideas. My husband all the time is like, okay, I thought of a really cool idea for a book. And then he like monologues to me for like an hour. And I'm like, babe, I, like I, you should write that book. Like, I'm not going to write that yeah. book. <laughs> um, and so I have, have to go through all like the, the really bad ones to find like the gem. Um, yeah. Like when I was still living at home, uh, we had a pretty hectic like Tuesday afternoon because some of the kids were doing tennis, the other kids were at rehearsal at the school half an at the school half an hour away um, until five o'clock, and so mum had to go pick up the kids five o'clock, but then she also had to pick up the kids from school at three o'clock, take them to tennis, and then pick them up from tennis as she was coming through. So I'd be helping out with that, and just by chance we we went for a walk one afternoon. Going, you know, let's go for a walk after we pick up the kid from tennis. And we walk past him and goes, that's really interesting. And I had a, the tennis court had a for sale sign on it. They're selling the whole tennis court um, and it's going to be built over. Mine goes, that'd be an interesting story. I want to know what's happening there. And I'm like, oh, that is a very interesting story. So I wrote a story on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. Sometimes it's not like there's lots of bad ideas um and then um yes i have one uncle who's a teacher and teaching has been his life pretty much uh for the last 20 years and he just keeps coming to me going he should write about this he should write about that and i'll, I'll pursue one or two of them and i go ah, there's no way i can write that story um there's, <laughs> there's too much a paperwork and b people telling me no for me to ignore them right yeah, definitely. A lot of people have a lot of ideas. That's something that I've learned working in publishing. People call Brandy Lane all the time and are like, okay, I have a book idea. And I'm like, hey, that's really cool. But before I can do anything to help you, you need to write the book first. Yeah. And <laughs> sometimes I don't think people quite understand that. Um, like even with journalism, we're having this really big discussion at the moment Um in classes about portable journalism because during COVID we didn't have access to all the high-end equipment that we would. So I was literally doing journalism on my phone. Um, wow. Actually bought a brand new, well, not a brand new, but bought a new phone for it because my phone was old. Um, taking photos, recording interviews, um, you know, doing everything on, because we were online and, the t- tutors turn around and go, there's basically no point of hiring out equipment anymore. Um, and we go back to class and like, so I have a, um, a lecturer from Newport um, who um, runs one of my classes. The most amazing guy ever. He's got this great personality, but he, um, he turns around and goes, there's no way in hell I'm letting you use your phones or an iPad to do these assignments, go and grab a proper camera. Um, I'm like, well, okay, we're back to um, traditional legacy media, I guess. Damn it, because phone cameras are so good these days. Well, they are, <laughs> but the problem is the audio on those phones. Like, oh, shit. that makes sense, actually. Yeah, so um, I had a friend of mine 
um, with the Australian lecturer and she turned around and, and I was sitting, sitting at the university trying to get a bit of work done and she runs up to me and goes, Sam, 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 can I do an interview for, with you? Uh, and so she holds up the phone in my face and I was, and then I sat down the next week and I listened to that interview and it sounded terrible. And one of the big rules when you do multimedia anything is you can fix bad visuals, but bad audio is forever. Um, yes. And so, you know, you've got to really, really make sure that your audio sounds amazing. And that's why, you know, the first thing I was I invested in for a podcast was a good microphone because by hell if I'm not going to use it. Yes, hell yeah. So after you created the podcast, where like where do you want to take the network? Yeah, I said earlier that it kind of has like a little bit of a life of its own. And what I'm really excited about is having other people on the team now because for about a year it was like just me. Um, and like, obviously my restricted section friends like helped me out when I needed it, but like the whole creative power behind like the whole network was really just me. Um, and so I'm really excited to have co-creators like you and like Charlie and Taylor Mm. and, um, Alex and Zach and my brain, I was like, when is this happening? When is everything released? Well, Carrie as well. Um, yeah. And Carrie, um, yeah, so I'm just really excited to have collaborators, honestly. So um, I don't have a lot of plans for the network, except for that I really want to continue to refine and develop it. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. I want to make it as good as it can be. And I want to get to a position where we can start using our platform to make the world better however we can, mm, you know. Definitely. And what... What that means right now, I'm not really sure, but um, I know I know that there's a way. Mm-hmm. And you got a new job as well. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing business development and social media for um a pretty new remodeling company that just needs a little bit of help, kind of figuring out the administrative part of, mm-hmm. you know, they're really good at remodeling and they're like, oh, we don't know how to do the rest of this though. So um, I'm using that job as kind of like a, a stepping stone. Um in hopes that I can start to really build my own business as an editor and a book producer, mm-hmm. um, which you you can't do that if you're working for somebody else's company yeah. who does the same thing, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to kind of start to take ownership of my um, my like creative skills um, in a way that I, I don't feel like I've done mm-hmm. necessarily in the past. That sounds awesome. Thank what you. What is like social media management? I did one subject with it. It was the worst run unit I've ever done. Uh, I did not enjoy it and I kind of switched off. What does social media management entail? Oh my God. It's like so complicated. And I just want to be really honest when I say that I run (laughs) so many social media accounts at the same time and it's really hard Mm -hmm. and I don't recommend it. Especially because I run all my personals. I run Brandy Lane's. I run Brandy Lane started a nonprofit called RVA Book Lovers. I run the socials for that. I run the socials for the movie night crew and for the restricted section. So out of all of those, all of them that I listed, except one is book related. So it's incredibly hard 
to, in my own brain, come up with all of that bookish content and then also figure out where it's supposed to go. So if I find a cool article, it's like, do do I save this for Brandy Lane? Do I post this myself? Is this something that the restricted section would care about? So I'm excited to kind of take some of that off my plate and like... I'll instead be doing social media for like a remodeling company, which is like a, that's going to live in a totally completely different part of my creative brain. Yeah. But s- social media really just requires that's the thing. It's like it requires being on social media a lot. So, Andrew, for example, um, our friend who shows up on the restricted section, the movie night crew, um, he d- is not on social media. That's like a life choice mm-hmm. that he's made. And like, I really respect it. Um, I see people in my life taking social media breaks and stuff. And it's like, I will never be able to do that. <laughs> it's part of the job description because, you know, social media, a lot of it is writing, planning, mm-hmm. developing ideas, um, a lot of scheduling. You know, I use a scheduler so I can schedule stuff ahead of time. If you look at the restricted section, like Twitter account, it's really obvious that we post at the same like four times per day. Nobody cares. You know, it's like everyone schedules their social media or else we would all be going crazy with the stress of trying to remember to to send stuff at the right time. Um, And so, but a lot of it is really just like being there, you know, like showing up. It's because... The social media uh, communities that that these accounts exist in, you know, like book bookstagram and like freaking book talk and stuff. It's like you can't just like walk into somebody else's house and be like, listen to my podcast. It's like, who who are you? What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> so you have to like be a part of these communities and you have to be a part of the larger conversation that's happening. And so like I sometimes it's hard to do that, but sometimes it's really easy to do that. Like for example, um, about a year ago when JK Rowling was blasting all her like transphobic nonsense, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we, we need to be in this conversation yeah. as like a representative of like Harry Potter culture. It's like, we need to be in, in this subculture right now, making it really clear yeah. that her behavior is not acceptable. Yeah. And, and that conscious effort to go, yes, I'm going to do this no matter what. I run, so I'm running five or six social media accounts at this point. Um, two of them are mine. Um, two of them are for bands I'm a part of. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, and then the podcast socials as well. Um, and that's five across Instagram um, and Twitter. Um, right. And theoretically, it should be Facebook as well, but I haven't. Facebook is an enigma, which um, sometimes yes, scares I agree. me <laughs> way too much because it's that, like. That's my, that's my professional opinion is that Facebook is chaotic. <laughs> it is. It's, you either have people who use it like Twitter or you have people who yeah. use it um, as like Instagram. Um, and then, you know, other people who. My mum got stuck for baby names the other day. So I jumped on Facebook and asked people for baby names because she'd given up. Um, And, you know, it's really great for my mum, who is a stay-at-home mother, um, to be able to connect with all of her university, international trips, you know, all of her friends, um, because she doesn't get out a huge amount, especially now um, with the pandemic. Um, 
Yeah. Social media management is one of those things that terrifies me. And it's not like I do, like, for the, the band's social media that I run, I don't do that alone. I have a team of three other people who work with me. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Who do this. A team can help so much. Who do the social media management. But then, like, I had, like, a weird point. I was on Twitter and I was looking at the elder of the eldest gods and I liked to tweet and then I'm like wait why am I not following of the eldest gods on Twitter and I follow them <laughs> and then I close the app and I walk away for five minutes and I go wait a second the reason I wasn't following of the eldest gods was because that was the wrong account <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely done that before. I've gotten in trouble with of the eldest gods for voting in their Twitter polls from like all six <laughs> accounts yeah. that I run. I'm like, I really feel this way. <laughs> no, I'm I'm very tempted to to try to rig one of the polls in the ne- in the next couple of weeks before this episode is released. That way, I can I can they don't even know that I have you know five accounts that I can rig a rig an election. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like the cutest way to rig an election yeah. is to hack your friend's Twitter poll. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, but I I do, you know, you mentioned like being confused about what account you're on and like going back and forth. Like I, I definitely get caught up in that a little bit sometimes. And like about once a week, I just like take a minute and I log on to the restricted section account and I go through and like everything that I've personally tweeted mm-hmm. that week. And I would like everything I'm going to the, of the eldest gods. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to like every single thing they've tweeted. Cause yeah. that's, you know, we're on a network and we support each other and it's really easy to miss stuff. If I see it on the restricted section, Twitter, I might not see it from all my other accounts, yeah. you know? Um, and it is, a, it's a lot. And sometimes I think that happened like this morning mm-hmm. is I was looking at an of the eldest god tweet and i i was like oh i have a, a response to that but i had to go log into my other account i was in the wrong account for that yeah. i was like i need christina needed to say something not the restricted section so i had to go log into a different account and like find the tweet it gets very complicated and um at times like masturbatory when you're like liking all your own yeah. stuff and you're like i wrote this and i like yeah. it <laughs> it's very it's very like self-fulfilling I'll we'll post something on like a band's Instagram page, and then I'll be scrolling scrolling through myself and I go, "Oh shit, I haven't liked it. I better like it. Better like it." Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, gotta support yourself. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, and the way that those algorithms work on social media means that, like, as you said, you had to go when you want to switch accounts. You have to then go find that tweet. Um, yeah. to react as a different account. I think Facebook's got it pretty good because I run a couple of pages on Facebook that they sometimes, not all the time, they've got like a little drop down menu beside like the comment. You can comment as something else. Yes. Um, it- that is very helpful. Um, I was running an event for Brandy Lane earlier this month. And um, so I was going back and forth from my personal account to the Brandy Lane account to the RVA Book Lovers, which is our nonprofit arm. And I was, yeah, having to do a lot of that. And they make it really clear. It's like, hey, here's a picture of your face. Yeah. You're you're commenting as Christina right now. Yeah. And it's, it's handy that way because I can go, yes, I'm not, you know, being being stupid and liking the complete wrong things on the complete wrong account um right have you had times where you've had like uh 
you've had to you had something you would personally like say or something you've had to turn around and just not do for like professional reasons or like on like the other accounts or had to be really careful about um yeah it's it's nice to work for like a liberal arts field because people are pretty chill about the kind of stuff you say no one who knows me at all expects me to be conservative i i'm not really known for like filtering myself um but i do i do definitely take into consideration like what platform i'm on yeah so like for example i smoke weed that's just like a fact about me i smoke a shit ton of weed i love it i'm super high functioning um and i like i would kind of never talk about that on facebook because that's where my family and sean's family are um that's where companies look when they're thinking about hiring you um and a lot of my author clients follow me on instagram so i wouldn't really post about it there but on twitter and tiktok it's almost exclusively friends and like fan um like fandom connections that i have so like i can really be a lot more authentically myself on like twitter and tiktok my whole tiktok persona is like is stoned professor sprout like that's 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 my shtick um yeah, yeah, so I, I am definitely more careful about what I post on Facebook, especially because, like I said, a lot of my husband's family is there, and I don't want to, like, implicate him. Mm-hmm. I might be really pr- loud and proud about, like, I smoke weed, woo-woo, yeah. um, but, like, he might not want to, like, deal with the repercussions of that. <laughs> yeah, it is very interesting because as soon as you get into things like drugs and that, and it's like, uh, or, or even, like, oh, through year 12, I was taking codeine, to stop this, the really bad reactions to colds I was having. And my father turned around to me and said, that thing, talking about the, the medicine, needs to go nowhere near me. Because codeine's an opioid. Um, and so by having an opioid, he turned around and, you know, he said, if I had a, the tiniest bit of that in my system and I got a random drug test because he works at an oh, airport, yeah. I would be fired beyond belief. Um, yeah. So Wow. So he had to sit me down and have like a proper conversation and go, you know, this is what could happen if this happens to me. Keep that away from me. So I kept it at school. Right. Um, yes. Just, you know, keeping the opioid at school because that's where you... Um, <laughs> that's where you keep it. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, or even like, um, even like certain things that aren't like, okay, Weed was illegal for a long time mm-hmm. in my state, and it technically still is right now for another month or so. That's how you know when we're recording yeah. this, whenever you're listening to it. Um, so it's, like, becoming more okay to talk about. But even things like, for example, I'm, like, pansexual, yeah. right? Um, and it's, like, it's like I, I'm, like, really comfortable with that, mm-hmm. but I'm also married to a dude, and, like... I don't need to be, like, confusing his, like, aunts on Facebook and making them, like, worry. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just, like, that's not that's not the place where you, like, have that no. conversation. So I just, like, don't mention it as much there because it, it doesn't really matter. It's not something I need to be, like, talking about. No, just yeah. save it for these other platforms. Yeah, definitely. I find it very interesting because I am a journalist. It is – I can't do anything. Like, I'm, I'm stuck in limbo. I can't be any way leaning. I could be as objective as possible. But what I found is, so on Instagram and um, 
Twitter be quite objective, but then like on TikTok where I've started uploading like news briefs, I'll now also like upload every now and then like interesting analyses on, you know, different things you have to worry about as a journalist. So what what was one of the things I was talking about? Oh, Mary Clay posted a TikTok about how um, she was talking about wearing masks beyond the pandemic. And right. um, I stitched it and I went, you know, that's really, it's a very important conversation to have because, you know, you've got to balance those two things. Obviously, you know, people want to want, have a desire to go back to normal life, but then we have to remember the last time we had a pandemic in 1917, everything changed. And I, I whole, right. you know, wash your hands, you know, blow, you know, yeah. be, be clean and, you know, medicine completely changed. And I don't think people 100% realise that a pandemic like this completely changes our our attitude and our culture. But right. at the same time, like, I, I appreciate the desire to go back to normal life as well. Yeah, I, I was at the grocery store today and... Um, the, the CDC ju- just like one or two days ago mm-hmm. announced that like you don't have to wear masks if you're vaccinated. I keep dating this episode, which isn't going to come out for several weeks. But um, so I was at the grocery store today wearing a mask because that's just my life, right? Yeah. Like I just wear a mask, dude. And this lady came up to me without a mask on, which like I didn't even notice or care. But she was like, hey, yeah, like I guess that oh, like, I guess we're allowed to not wear masks now. And I was like, yeah, cool. And she was like, yeah, so, like, it feels weird, but, like, I'm not wearing a mask. And I was like, that's cool for you. Yeah, like, that's cool for you. And she's like, I'm vaccinated, so I guess it's okay. And I was like, hey, stranger, I hear you. I'm not afraid of your germs right now, but I am having, like, a a non-consensual conversation. That's She was really trying to make it clear to, like, everyone she passed. She's like, I'm vaccinated. It's very, very interesting because you are at that stage where it's all it's pretty 50 50 and it's like you know you you've got to make it very clear that you are vaccinated um it's like when you got sick at the start of covid and you go no 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 it's not covid i'm just have a cold or the flu or something yes (laughs) yeah i i've seen face masks before that are like it's a weed cough (laughs) yeah um it's very (laughs) it's very funny um but then like here in australia the vaccine rollout is not going to be finished until mid next year. Let's be realistic. Um, wow. Like we, we haven't, we ordered so many of the AstraZeneca vaccines, like right. ridiculous amounts. Like I was most likely going to get the AstraZeneca vaccine and nope, I can't do it anymore. So, um, Oh my gosh. Uh, we are a little worried. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I'm sitting here going, I'm really lucky. I live in a place that has managed COVID so well that I don't wear a mask anymore. Um, right. Every now and then I consider it. Uh, I got on a train the other day at like right. quarter to nine. Um, and I live... Super public places. Yeah. At, yeah. It, it was quarter to nine in the morning. So, and I live like three stops away from where everyone gets off. And I sat there and I got, I feel very uncomfortable and everyone's trying yeah. to do like a semblance of social distancing. But then at the same time, it's like, yeah, no, this is unrealistic. On a train. It's like, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Wow. Um, and 
it's it's very interesting because our attitude to train catching here in Brisbane has changed a lot. Um, you used to get to the station where my parents live at five o'clock in the morning, and it would be busy, busy, busy right up until eight o'clock, um, right. and then you know be dead for the rest of the day. Um, but now it's like pretty evenly populated. So some people will go into work at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or some people just won't go into work. Um, right. And then you've got like <clears throat> people like me who are uni students who somehow am going back into the city as people are trying to get out. Um, so I finish work at like five or six o'clock at night and I'll, I'll jump on the train and I'll get back into the centre of the city and then the train fills up again as I cross that line to then start heading back south of the city to, to where I live. I, you know, every now, like when we had our outbreak, what, it'd been a month ago now, two months ago, mm-hmm. um, masks went back on. And yeah, I then wore masks for an extra two weeks after they told us not to, um, going, look, you know, they say it's sorted, but I just want that little extra precaution just in case, you know, in, in fact, it isn't sorted. Um, and, like, our governments have gotten better at the contact tracing and sorting an outbreak out um, the, the further we're into the pandemic. Uh, right, yeah. Which is totally different for you guys who just kind of let it go unchecked for a long time. <laughs> Classic, classic America. She's like, yes, the free market. Yeah, the free market. <laughs> free market for germs. Yep. Um, because like we got, we get very worried when we have a COVID case that we can't connect back to hotel quarantine. And we call it the missing link. So, um, uh. I think Sydney's just come out of uh, mask mandates again because they had a missing link. Um, so they went into lockdown for a couple of days. Melbourne was in lockdown, was on, on high alert because someone had travelled from Melbourne to Perth, then tested positive in Perth, caused a whole outbreak over there, which took two weeks to sort. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And, and the thing is, the earlier you do it, the less time it is, but it still takes a minimum of weeks to sort out these kind of outbreaks yeah. of just one or two cases. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. But yeah, like a logistical nightmare. Oh yeah, it is, and it's terrifying because my dad ran COVID in Southeast Queensland for I want to say nine months. Um, it wasn't nine months, but it felt like nine months. And he would leave the house at four o'clock in the morning. He would get home at like seven o'clock at night and work till two in the morning. Go to sleep and then be back up at four. Um. We didn't see him. Jeez. We didn't. Uh, um, yeah. And it was hard. It was really, really hard to not have, you know, A, be stuck at home, but then B, not have everyone at home. Right. Yeah. Because my brother had moved to, oh no, my brother hadn't moved. My, I had two brothers in year 12. So final year of high school. So they were basically living their own lives. And then I was in university starting my first year. So I had like a lot on my plate. And then yeah. I was, yeah, it was a very, 
it was a good stress test and it really cemented <laughs> like thinking on the positive side has really cemented how like that I knew where I was going with my degree before then I went to do the extra adulting step of moving out of home. Right, yeah, totally. Um, which you know, not everyone gets the privilege of doing. Um but yeah, I think it's very important. I love when you get like so far down a tangent that you're just like, how did we yeah, get hey. here? You're like kind of like you come out of like a daze, you're like, what? Yeah. Um <laughs> How do you like measure your success in adulting oof oh okay well okay so uh, there's a couple things and i think that it depends on what is important to each individual person Mm -hmm. so for me i've always dated i've always had a lot of friends i've always had a partner um and so like part of for me, becoming a successful adult was learning how to have really healthy relationships yeah. because I, as a person, was a toxic nightmare in high school. Mm-hmm. Just, like, lying, cheating, manipulating, just, like, kind of the worst per- big slither in energy. Yeah. I always say I had to really work hard to become the Hufflepuff I am today. So I have, like, a super healthy marriage and I have super healthy friendships, Um And I've learned to be really communicative in a really healthy way with the people I care about. And so to me, that's really important. Other people, it's not as important. You have people who don't date um, or who have like really small friend groups that, you know, it might not be the same. But um, also just feeling a sense of like control and ownership over things. Um, One thing that I really struggle with is feeling control and ownership over my time, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to have like a lot of different projects going at once and I feel and a lot of social obligations also and so sometimes I feel like um it's a little out of my control but but it's also up to me to like take control of it and um the same thing with like my finances Mm -hmm. it's like I'm really desperate to get to a place where I'm really financially healthy which is part of why I'm getting a new job in a different field that frankly just has more money yeah um, and I really want to that. So that's kind of like my goal for this year is to become financially healthy mm-hmm. in a way that I haven't really been in the past. Yeah. And it's very interesting. I took a month off work um, when I went on holidays uh, in the middle of the semester. I didn't mean to take a month off work. I was meant to take a week off. But somehow <laughs> with changes in management and school holidays, it ended up being a month, um, which... It was terrifying because I had no income. So then I had to dip back into oh my, my savings. Um, yeah. And being financially independent is, especially when you work like casual or part-time is very hard. Um, yeah. And I don't know how, what it's like working full-time because you always live within your means. So when I was earning a healthy amount of money, you know, I was spending, I would say about 80% of that you know, rent, food, uh, right. every, uh, transport and things like that. Because I think I end up spending like $30 on public transport a week. Um, wow. Yeah, public transport is not cheap here in Australia. Um, yeah. That's also, but I, I was like, that's a lot of money. But now I'm like, oh, that's kind of as much as like a tank of gas. Although I don't know the conversion rate. Actually, I'm realizing now. Don't listen to me. Well, no, you, you're, <laughs> you're almost right. $30, no. It's a lot more expensive. It's probably double the price. Um, 
There's a reason why I don't drive. Uh, oh my god. Okay, well, 30 American dollars yeah. to fill a gas tank. <laughs> um, but, yeah, having that financial... Like, I'm financially independent. You know, I don't rely on parents or, you know, borrowing money. Uh, I do earn money from the government. As a student, there's ways to earn money from the government here, um, which I'm really grateful for because it means that yeah, that's I cool. don't have to work a second job as well as studying full time. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I realized that without that, I would be still living at home, uh, and there is no way that I would be able to live the way I live currently without that money. Right. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting, like measuring your success on how financially stable you feel as well. Cause I feel like being an adult is not, and the more I speak to people, the more I realize this being an adult is not about being like comparing yourself to others or letting, um, letting yourself be defined by other people but it's how you feel do you feel financially independent do you feel happy with your job do you feel right um and i i think it's also you know instead of comparing yourself to other people it's like just compare yourself to where you were a year ago like are are you growing mm -hmm. are you changing and if so that's awesome because I, you know, I still have a hard time with money. I really don't make a lot of money at all. Um, and I still feel like I'm living paycheck to paycheck. But, like, five years ago, paycheck to paycheck meant something totally different to yeah. me. You know what I mean? It was, like, so much more stressful. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, right now, it's like, yeah, it's still kind of hard to save. Yeah, I do still really need every paycheck I get. But, like, but it's I have more wiggle room than I used to. So, to me, it's like, yes, I'm improving. And that's all yeah. that matters. Um, and then, like, having a healthy savings, like, as much as I say I had to dip into my savings, you know, I had a healthy amount of savings that I wasn't worried about having to do that, um, which if you That's awesome. ask, like, because I went, I went to Alice Springs and I came back to visit my brother for Easter. If I did that 12 months ago, I would be very poor after that kind of right. trip. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, very, very interesting. Um, and like, yeah, sorry. My brain, my brain's like, you don't have anything else to say. So why are you trying to say another sentence? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That happens to me all the time. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you so much for being on Content and Capable, Christina. Um, where yeah, thank you for having me. Where can people find you on the internet? Totally. Please check out my podcast, The Restricted Section, every Wednesday, wherever pods are cast. And definitely, definitely check out all of the other amazing podcasts that are on the Movie Night Crew Network. We've talked about, I think, all of them today yeah. <laughs> um, because we're, I think we're their biggest fans. So um, we have a lot of really cool new stuff going on this summer. So head on over to the Movie Night Crew MovieNightCrewNetwork.com or whatever the URL is in the show notes, probably. Yes, yeah, so we'll be in the show um, notes. <laughs> and then you can follow me specifically on Instagram at Christina the Con. Follow me on Twitter at Christina Con. Follow me on TikTok at Sprouts Private Stash. I told you it was weed related. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, is there something that you want to plug a book, a TV show, or a movie? I so something I've been really obsessed with lately is His Dark Materials by Phil Pullman. Um, Philip Pullman. 
Um, it's like a book series. It's the gold, Everyone's really familiar with The Golden Compass because it's the first one and they made a very terrible movie of it um, however long ago. But um, I recently read the books and they're very cool. I plug those and I'm watching the, uh, I think it's an Amazon original series adaptation of it right now, which is like so authentic mm-hmm. to the source material like if you don't feel like reading the books it's fine the show is good enough yeah. you know so i i recommend both of those wholeheartedly it's really cool fantasy unlike anything and i've read a lot of fantasy but this one's really special yeah. wow that's that's awesome um so my name's sam um you can find me on instagram and uh tiktok at sam.the.journalist and on Twitter, because Twitter hates long handles, Sam yes. OB Journalist. Um, you can find me on all of those social medias. And this week, I'm going to plug The Upshores. It's a Netflix TV show that I found the other day. And if you like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but um, find it a little dated, like what, once you got into the later seasons, it wasn't as funny for me, at least. Um, this one's really, really good. Um, just really great co- black comedy, uh, which I think is very awesome and much needed yeah. now. Um, yes, absolutely. Cool. Um, thank you so much for being on the pod. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in another episode soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. Thank you for listening to Content and Capable. You can follow the podcast socials at content, the letter N, capable, on Instagram and Twitter. You can send a super boring email to us through contentandcapablepod at gmail.com. The art was done by Opia. You can follow them on opia underscore art on Instagram. Opia is spelled O-P-I-A. Feel free to message them about making art for your project. Our music was written, recorded and edited by Nora Strauss-Riggs. You can find Nora at Kane underscore I, that's I as in the body part, on Instagram and Twitter. Feel free to message her about making music for your project or editing your podcast. I'm proud to be a part of the Movie Night Crew Network, which features the restricted section, a chapter-by-chapter Harry Potter pod with lots of spoilers all the time, Of the Eldest Gods, a chapter-by-chapter Rick Verodin pod full of myths and legends, My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast that follows the true hero of Avatar The Last Airbender, the Cabbage Cart Guy, Fandoms Gone Wrong, a show that discusses all things fandoms, and the Movie Night crew. Join some friends as they react to to some terrible, some meh, and some really great movies. Alrighty. It's movie night. Grab your popcorn. Grab your coffee. Grab your friend. Grab a cat. Let's go. Who directed this? What year did it come out? Is that that girl from that show? Who wrote this? Where's the cat? Who would you rather bang? Pass the popcorn. Does this pass the Bechdel test? What about the Steve Buscemi test? Does a woman literally speak in this movie? Oh my god, a dog. This reminds me of in Harry Potter when... Are we recording? What did the critics say? It's a guilty pleasure. What's your rating? Can you be quiet? Oh my god. Movie night crew. It's just like watching movies with your friends. And then arguing about it after. Every Sunday, wherever you get podcasts. Content and Capable is a podcast all about answering the question, how do you adult? Don't forget to rate and review it on your favorite podcatcher, and I will see you next Monday for another episode.
That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. I feel like I'm missing something, but what I what I'm thinking of is my notes for the restricted section that I obviously don't have right now. But I keep being like, "Shit, I'm missing like one thing. What is it?" <laughs>